What's up, everybody? This is Eve with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to giving you the right health and fitness information that is both practical, actionable, and evidence-based. This is season two of the podcast, and we are so excited. We're going to have a little less interviewing. We're going to do some more topic-based discussions with myself and some of the made-to-move physical therapy and performance team. Maybe have some guest hosts out there. We are so excited for season two. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting us. If you have any questions for me or the crew, just search Healthy Charleston on Instagram or you can reach out to us directly at made to move pt.com that is the number two thanks so much see you soon what's up everybody this is eve with the healthy charleston podcast today we had brandon who's a personal trainer at duff fitness he's also going to school for dietetics i think i'm saying that right Basically, he's going to school to be a dietitian, trying to add more tools to his toolbox. We went, honestly, through a lot of different arenas, went on a lot of tangents, kind of all over the place. But if you listen to this podcast, probably something that you enjoy. Honestly, this was a, this one was a lot of fun. Got to, got to tackle a lot of different topics and hope you enjoy it. Brandon, what's up, man? Good. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So let's start off. Let's jump right into it. You're in the fitness industry um, and you've ended up here, right? And you're still going to school for something too, right? Yeah, I'm finishing up a dietetic program. Okay. Last semester. Applying for internships right now. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So um, some dietitian stuff too. So I love to start these because I really like to set the stage um, it's also really interesting to see what kinds of people end up in the fitness industry, and I've noticed some really interesting trends. Before I, you know, ruin it, and um, who knows, you might be totally opposite. Uh, but maybe just tell us how you got started in fitness in the first place, and you know how you kind of ended up now being an awesome trainer <laughs> at Duff Fitness. So we want to we want to hear the whole story if you got got the time. Okay, I'll give you yeah. the abbreviated version. Okay. Uh, so yeah, just growing up, I guess around my teenage years, I was really undersized, you know, small guy. Uh, my freshman year of high school, I weighed 96 pounds. 96 so, pounds? 96, yeah. yeah. I was that, a little fella. So, wow. you know, I just wanted to put on muscle mass, be stronger, and to be honest, you know, do, do it for the girls. But it never mm-hmm. works out that way. Right. And uh, yeah, so that that's originally when I started lifting weights, you know, kind of got into bodybuilding. That kind of fascinated me. Uh, did you do any shows or anything like that? No, no, no nothing okay. along those lines. Yeah, okay. That's a little too extreme for me. Gotcha, Matt, uh, who's one of our people, he did a show or two. He's got uh, some really? pictures. Yeah, it's did, it's did you do crazy. Like the the full oh like, yeah bikini or did uh-huh. you like the, oh, full wow. bikini? He's got the pictures to prove it. He's all tanned <laughs> up and everything. I'm like, dang man, that's impressive. Yeah, because you got to be like, I mean, that's an all in thing. People think like, oh, whatever. Like, no, they're on huge dietary restrictions. Everything's Absolutely. very, very planned and regimented. It's basically like training for a athletic event which obviously which basically it is right you know what Mm -hmm. I mean yeah it's socially excellent it's a really really good point right and so you're not yeah you can't go out and do stuff but anyway there's there's our first tangent for the day yeah so uh 
Yeah, so just was into bodybuilding, uh, you know, reading a lot of the fitness magazines, you know, all that bad information. In there. Mm-hmm. Some of it is good. Some, yeah, a little bit. Five percent only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wrestled in high school too, so that's kind of where my passion for nutrition came in. I was trying to always figure out how to manipulate my weight, whether it wasn't, you know, good protocols through you know, dehydration, mm. uh, not, not healthy at that point in my life. But that's kind of where that sparked to the nutrition side of things. And uh, later on, went to College of Charleston, decided to uh, get a degree in exercise science. And there I was introduced to the sports performance, so college strength conditioning. And that was very interesting because it was a complete paradigm shift for me. You know, going from bodybuilding to sports performance, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, why are these guys only doing, you know, two sets of six, you know, just just kind of blew my mind. How so? Explain that a little more because that's really interesting. I don't have like a huge strength conditioning background. I basically learned through immersion and learning and definitely after, more so after mm-hmm. PT school. So like, what do you think bodybuilding? Maybe tell us the framework or like the the thought process involved, the philosophy, and then how that was contrasted to sports performance. Because I think it's a really cool So yeah, with, with bodybuilding, you know, basically what those guys are going for and you know, it's just, it is kind of same, the same in strength condition, but it's more uh, volume. Mm-hmm. So volume, increased muscle mass, hypertrophy the muscle. And I think they do go through, you know, strength periods, uh, hypertrophy periods where you're trying to increase the muscle size. But from my point of view, it's just, it's just very monotonous, you know, compound movements, uh, isolation movements, as opposed to strength conditioning where it's more functional exercises, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and like sports specific. Hey, I'm pushing sports a lot. Specific, so yeah. we do a lot of pushing exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, speed, you know, mm-hmm. training for speed, where that's not very common in body bodybuilding. Uh, and so that's kind of where, and even exercise selection. You know what I mean? So it's, it can be very different between strength conditioning and hypertrophy for exercise selection. So yeah. maybe like, some instability yeah. in in your lunges or you know your pressing exercises. You know, just throwing that tip types of variation and even you know the periodization can be different from uh, you know speed strength to strength speed uh, working on power and explosiveness like I talked about a second ago so yeah it, it just it helped me with my programming to you know kind of think outside the box add more tools to the toolbox mm-hmm. and so I really enjoyed that so I turned with uh, college Charleston strength conditioning team for three years and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thought I learned a lot. So you were kind of intern with them, with their strength coach, and were able to work with multiple. Um, yeah, so I, I mostly worked with uh, the assistant coach Matt Powell. He was great. He was a great influencer for me. And um, what teams you work with? So it was mostly volleyball. I worked with some basketball, baseball, uh, swimmers, okay. male swimmers specifically. Uh, just about all the teams, to be honest. Cool. Because my three years there, you know, you kind of yeah, you, you get you get to choose and you get to pretty much shadow and work with most of them. That's awesome. So you went from there, and then what? Then I uh, graduated from the College of Charleston. Thought that you know maybe I wanted to go get a GA spot at you know some college for strength conditioning. Uh, decided that I would rather start personal training instead. So I started personal training in the Mount Pleasant area, mm-hmm. and you know that was also. A huge shift in uh, right. my philosophy on fitness because you know you go from people doing 315 pound power cleans to you know now learn how to do a body weight squat yeah so and even changing focus right you kind of go from power building to sports performance probably more to 
longevity or what most people think probably like weight loss or like you know and then probably have been dealing with a lot of miseducation and having to be like um this is probably what we need to work on or Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like kind of 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 guiding them in the right direction yeah yeah they just they just really want to feel good Mm -hmm. you know i think they always build confidence when they get stronger or yeah you know body composition goals yeah body uh, composition goals well said that's that's i'm gonna write that down and uh (laughs) so that that was definitely another shift in the paradigm there yeah so uh but it's all been good so i've been a trainer for about nine years uh 10 years this coming year Nice. And, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it thus far. Uh, I'm excited to become a registered dietitian in the future. Hopefully I can add that to the toolbox. And, yeah. You know, I think that will just give me more uh, just give me more services to offer and help people. Right. that's really what I think I put on this earth to do is help people. I like it. Yeah. So when you when you get somebody, and I like, like we say tools in the toolbox, right? Because... When we get somebody from a rehab perspective, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll give you somewhat of evolution of how I've changed the way I've like treated a patient, right? So in the beginning, when I was a student, I was very much focused on anatomy, biomechanics, protocols, right? Just okay. like very kind of like one, maybe one tool in my toolbox, okay. right? Or maybe yeah. a couple, mm-hmm. right? And then as things start evolving, it's like, oh man, like strength conditioning, exercise selection, periodization, like here's another tool in my toolbox. I kind of add to like kind of the stuff you learned in PT school. And then you can kind of shift even more and be like, oh man, like stress management, sleep, nutrition, very high level, not going deep into it, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a big part of that process. And just like continue to kind of evolve as a practitioner. And then you kind of realize that you can take an athlete or a client and like they have this goal body composition goal I'm already using it man I love it um, <laughs> you know uh, body composition goal for me typically like a you know decreased pain would be our outcome okay, typically yeah. right or just like you know I don't have uh, mo- range of motion I want more range of motion right and now I feel like I'm just way more comprehensive I can get that person to that goal maybe faster I can educate them um, and hopefully give them them more tools in my toolbox too, right? Like yeah, I can absolutely. kind of transfer those things over. Before it's like, well, here's some anatomy, physiology, and that's great, and they probably left with some information, but now I feel like I can give them such this wide array and they can be almost like a complete human when I'm done. At yeah. least they have information. Maybe we all know the implementation and having it's totally different. Right. Right, but it's like, was that a lot of the driving force behind what, like going, like, you didn't have to go and be a dietitian, right? It's like, you know, you know like, I felt like I could get people stronger, you know, we could lose a little bit of weight, a little bit of body fat. Mm-hmm. And for me, personally, I knew how to, you know, lose body fat, gain muscle, blah, blah, blah. But I felt like I couldn't help, you know, my clients or the average person reach their weight loss goals. And I'm sure I didn't have to go back and get a degree in dietetics, but I felt like it was a good start. And, yeah. Uh, I would feel more comfortable counseling people and, you know, people would respect the degree and, you know, hopefully I could get those results for people. So I just, I just wanted to help people get that little bit extra that I think is hard as personal trainers. You know, we see those people for 30 minutes, two to three times per week. Uh, we give them some nutritional information while they're in there, but, you know, we're focusing on, you know, doing exercises, uh, you know, maybe talking about some other things, but, you know, it's hard to, you know, get in real depth on their nutrition and how to help them and counsel them to to get the results that they want. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, 
I guess giving them some information is way different than maybe like outlining a plan or right. counseling exactly. on them, um, you know, and, and we all know at this point. I feel like most people finally know this where in the beginning, um, let's call it 10 years ago, let's call it 20 years ago, we kind of just thought, like, well, we'll just have to work out and, you know, then our body composition will change and that's fine. But yeah, now I'll get yeah. a six pack if I work out. And now it's more of like, I do need to work out, but if I eating right is like... 90% oh, of it, yeah, 99.999% right. of it, if you want good body composition, and then Absolutely. the, you know, the working out, you're kind of just doing as a, almost like an adjunct, really. Yeah, kind of like supplementary. Yeah, which yeah, is I crazy mean, to think about. It's a, it's a huge, it's a great stimulus, you know, but just like you said, you know, nutrition is a huge part of body composition, and until someone can get that down, they're going to struggle seeing, you know, real results, mm -hmm. you know. Or lasting results for the right. most part. Right, right. You know, we, people always be like, well, I have more muscle mass, uh, you know, and then I'll, I'll have a higher resting metabolic rate, but you, you know, you can ruin that by eating one extra Reese's peanut butter cup. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. there's so many things. I mean, and the nutritional, there's obviously a lot of nutritional advice out there. A lot. So I kind of like commend you and like, all right, I'm going to go back, you know, and get the degree, so to speak, and then you can probably pair that with your own experiences as well as pair that with probably just some additional information because I, I I'm really curious, we'll go back to this, of what your experience was with diet, diet, dietary school? What do you even uh, say? Like, called dietetics. Dietetics? Mm -hmm. oh, that sounds way more official. Yeah, dietetics. <laughs> you know, and how much of that information was actually good information, right? So like, you know, because you have a pretty, probably pretty decent background in nutrition, kind of like yourself experimenting as well as like researching um, yourself like even in PT school I didn't know this at the time but in PT school I learned a lot of things that in my humble opinion were flat out wrong you couldn't apply it right yeah yeah mm -hmm. and were just false like they're just, yeah, you know, like they're, you know what I mean like look at the food pyramid right like that was false right. like a lot of big pieces of that right they've changed it at this point I think right yeah to my plate which is you know it has some similarities yeah. but yeah it's it's changed quite a it's bit it's changed though. quite a bit mm -hmm. right? so you know it's did you get any of that? I guess we'll, we'll jump right into that. Um, yeah, you know, I think for the most part, they're trying to give very generalized information to the public. And a lot of the research is epidemiological, so they track people over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So there's some trouble getting, you know, good, accurate results from that information. Yeah. And so, they, so they build, you know, the nutrition pyramid or my plate based off of that. And to be honest, if 90... I think if 90 plus percent of people followed it, they would see good results. Sure. But, you know, it's just following it. <laughs> right, right, the implementation. Uh -huh. Do they talk about that as far as in dietetics? So it's interesting it's kind of because behavior some stuff. of it's medical, a lot of it's medical nutrition therapy. Mm -hmm. So talking about uh, enteral nutrition, parenteral nutrition, like tube feeding, stuff like that. Um, as well as there, there is weight loss. That is also a huge part of it. So they're kind of Counseling. preparing you to work at a hospital as well, Absolutely. right? It's not just like, hey, I want to help yeah. you know, people looking to improve their body composition. I'm just going to say it so many times, what's in my head. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty multifaceted. So, I mean, you can go into food service. Uh, you can do you know, private, private practice. Mm -hmm. You can be a clinical dietitian. There's a lot of different ways, you know, different places that you can go yeah. with it. I wouldn't think of that. I don't know why. Right. Think, yeah. You think it's just one thing, like, uh -huh. you know I mean? like neuronutrition stuff, but okay. So not a lot of behavioral change stuff is in there. Uh, not a ton, but there was a good, uh, 
course on counseling, basically mm-hmm. whenever motivational interviewing, which was very interesting, kind of goes over, you know, the stages of changes that people are in, you know, are they ready to make that change or, you know, is it just kind of in their minds, very superficial, but... I'm obsessed with that stuff right now. I, I know, it's very interesting. Yeah, we had a um, she counselor, I don't think she was like a psychologist, psychiatrist, I don't even know how to determine the difference, um, unfortunately, and it's my ignorance, but... Uh, she talked about motivational interviewing, and she talked about you know how she goes about and the stages of change. And, yeah, right? like okay. it's got to be so powerful. Okay, so I get somebody in my office. Okay, you get somebody a client of yours, right? And they're like talking about okay, I'm ready to you know to eat whole foods and I'm ready to you know eat healthier and to understand where they are in this behavioral change process. Let's just call it. I'm making this up. Six steps, and yeah. you know they're at three. And that you know you've got to get them to number four so they can get to five and they get to six. Like that for me, that's a lot easier to create a framework for that. I don't know why we didn't get that in PT school. Because I know it's, it seems pretty powerful too because you know you don't want to progress them too fast or start them on something that they're not quite prepared for yet. You know you don't want to set them up for failure. Right. Which I I think a lot of times people set really lofty goals. You know they just have trouble achieving them because they're just not realistic. But if you get if you're at the right stage, you know. Yeah, what are the goals for that person in the right stage? Like I said, it's just um, for me where I am at my evolution as a as a physical therapist. It's like I'm realizing that if I can create change, behavioral change, that I'm going to give my patient the best outcome. Like, and that's super hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's way easier to just talk biomechanics and be like, hey, you should be pressing, you should do this when you press. Yep. You know, but it's it's way harder to say, hey, you're probably really stressed out, you're probably uh, not eating enough or eating too much or not the right things, you're also not sleeping enough, you're also training too hard. Uh, and if I can talk about all that stuff and kind of pair a little bit of rehab in there, you know what I mean? Where probably it was usually the opposite. Mm-hmm. So it's like this weird transition well, that like a, has been made. What was the new pain model that... An Australian physical therapist. Oh, the biopsychosocial model. Yeah, that that one kind of. So I worked at a physical therapy clinic in uh, Greenville Mm -hmm. and worked under some great guys, and they kind of explained, you know, that concept to me. Where you know, you know, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but if you have pain in an area, you associate pain in that area, and there may not be something necessarily wrong, but you may still be having pain. So I guess having that conversation with people. Can, can be difficult sometimes. Oh, 100%, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, we instantly will um, talk about pain equals damage, right? Like, mm-hmm. almost everybody right. would say, if I go. have pain, right? Like, there's a cut, it's bleeding, I've damaged my skin. And we extrapolate that to pain in any part of our body, right. which um, I don't know what the exact number is, but the actual core, like, correlation between pain and damage and tissue, especially when it comes to back pain or knee pain or neck pain or any general with it's very very low it's, low? Wow. it's super low it's more of which makes more sense it's more of a warning signal that goes up right it's more of like damage is going to happen uh, let's let's cause you know what i mean let's cause some pain so we stop doing that yep. why would our body wait until we've damaged our back or damaged our knee to the point of disrepair when it waits to do it doesn't even make logical sense Absolutely. from an evolutionary mm-hmm. perspective right and so um yeah, it's really interesting to, to have those conversations with people. It's actually really, really challenging. We actually are now, because Nate is, is way more of an expert on this than I am when it comes to research and, and explaining it in a, in a really uh, intelligent way. 
uh, we actually started creating handouts that every patient gets explaining that model to people because we realize how important it is to know that because saves you time more effective right yeah 100% because if you come in and you're like oh my sh- my back is out right and I've damaged my back beyond repair mm-hmm. there's a lot of fear there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of things that change uh, in your body yeah, when so- you think that way as opposed to I'm not damaged I don't need to be fixed my body's actually like resilient and adaptable and it's gonna get better that's a completely different conversation. Mind is so, powerful, yeah. Yeah, if we can just set that stage really, really early again, we kind of realize that our outcomes are, you know, a little bit better. Probably like similar to you, it's like, hey, can I gain muscle? You know what I mean? Like right. showing them that they even can. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can lose weight. Like, you know, that can much easier, like probably build momentum and people can probably Or, you know, kind of beating the fear of uh, women thinking that they're going to bolt by strength training. Oh, you know, goodness. same thing there. <laughs> I would love to talk about that for three hours okay I was gonna. You know what I mean? <laughs> well it's just it's just so interesting and, and I've had this conversation a few times with some women here as well I still haven't found a, a woman who's kind of championing this I'm sure that she's out there <clears throat> and if you're out there and you want to have a conversation with me please reach out but you know uh, the idea that both like I was a relatively you know smaller individual too and I've been weightlifting as heavy as possible my entire life literally trying to gain as much mass as possible right and i'm in no means bulky right and I so know. like makes us know. guys who were skinny the it kind of insults us right you know right like, god we've been working this hard exactly this right and so you can work as hard as you want to like there's multiple layers one you can work as hard as you want yeah. to and you're probably never going to get in quotations bulky and the second level is that there's ways to intelligently train where you're not just like you said where you'd be mo- focusing more on performance or mobility right. or health and training just as hard and you can bias you can bias hypertrophy, which is getting your muscles bigger, and you can also bias other things where your muscles won't get better. Absolutely. And I think what stronger. you know, a lot of people fail to realize is that to put on muscle mass, to put on, you know, body weight, you have to eat a lot of calories. I mean it's it's like a part time job. Right. You know, unless you already have a pretty low metabolic rate. I mean, for the majority of people, just like, you know, some of my uh, maybe, you know, high school male coming in, Oh, I want to gain weight. You know, what'd you eat today? Oh, you know, I went to Chick fil A, had a chicken biscuit. I'm like I mean, this should be like your fourth meal today. It's 4 p.m., you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You should have had breakfast and then just come to work out at 4 p.m. So, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to bulk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? And just setting, I think a big part of it is setting those kind of probably expectations really, really early with someone who thinks, you know, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bulk up if I lift weights. Like, you're, you know, we can train really, really hard and you're not going to bulk up right. but how do you like you probably have more experience this than I do somebody can feel um, and tell me if this happened to you somebody can feel like they're bulking up or they're getting heavier mm-hmm. and they're actually not do you know what I mean just because like that's how they visually maybe see themselves like oh man I've gained a bunch of weight and you're like you look exactly the same that right. you did two months ago like, we went on vacation a week and maybe you got a couple extra pounds on the scale but like it's not this completely different. Right, that, and that's where I have to fall back on the assessment. You know, we go back, we assess, we look at the numbers and say, okay, you know, or have you gained weight? Have right. you not? You know? And so that's, you know, because to be honest, you know, the subjective self is not a good, you know, a good measurement. <laughs> Just sit I think I'm way stronger than I am. Yeah, every time we go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Put all that weight on there, you're like, ah, not yeah. today. <laughs> but, Subjectively, um, I'm a monster. But yeah, it's good. It's good to get those objective measurements and you know really see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I don't know if we try to measure at least you know every four to six weeks. 
you know, if some people, you know, you gotta you gotta hunt them down. Like, hey, we gonna, we gonna wait today? Oh no, not today. So some people are hard to to get back there and get the assessment with, but for the most part, you know, we try to try to stay on that just to make sure you know we're programming in the right way. You know, see if we need to reassess some goals, some you know maybe right. some some habits, and then kind of go from there. What are you doing in the assessment typically? Because I love that. Like obviously objective data, and it's getting really really cool. Like whoop bands coming out. I got an Apple Watch. It tracks like heart rate variability and sleep. What do you, you like that whoop app? I've used uh, it for about six months. Oh really? You uh -huh. got it? No, I'm I'm using the Apple Watch. So I oh, track okay, my gotcha. sleep, heart rate variability, and stuff from here. Oh cool. Um, whoop app is way better. Get recovery scores. I've got some ideas how to do that in rehab, but that's a different conversation. Uh -huh. But it's awesome. It's 100 percent awesome. If didn't if I didn't already have the watch, I'm not gonna wear two watches. I think that's overboard. Right. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. it but. Uh, I just couldn't wear it when I was doing jujitsu, so it kind of bugged me because I felt like I was getting robbed of that uh, mm -hmm. that big energy period. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it while I had it, so especially the sleep, you know, the sleep recovery part. Yeah. Wake up, you might see like thirteen percent on your watch. Oh, looks like I need to chill today. Right, right, or and vice versa. Really, really powerful. A lot of people that we work with are usually high intensity uh, athletes, whether Olympic lifting athletes, CrossFit athletes. Uh, people are training year-round in their sport mm -hmm. um, and someone to be able to look at a watch and say oh man I probably shouldn't go all out today right. I probably should chill a little bit is a very powerful tool because an objective data, use that. <laughs> yeah an objective data is huge right yep. as you said like yep. oh man let's go back let's take an assessment and let's see if this thing's working or not as mm -hmm. opposed to the subjective hey I may feel beat up but like I'm gonna train hard and I'll probably feel better like no like you feel crappy because you didn't sleep well and because you probably didn't eat well and you were stressed out and you trained hard six days in a row. Absolutely. So now you got something else, which people tend to, you know, if they look at objective data, they tend to believe it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, that can be like sometimes the, the straw that built the camel's back. Like, okay, cool. I'm not going to train that hard today. I'm going to take it easy. Yeah. But going back to the assessments, uh, you know, we do weights, heights. We use the Omeron for body fat. But I like to use the skinful calipers. I feel like they're a little more. Uh, little more runs like the where you kind of hold it. Yeah, handheld machine. It's like plus or plus or minus five percent body fat, okay. so it's a little off. But uh, so I like to use the skinful calipers, and I think they're a little more accurate. You know, granted, as long as I'm doing it every time, yeah. I take the body fat. True, and that's what matters, right? As uh -huh. long as you're using the same tool. Yep. Right. It should be because what do they call like interrater? Relax. You know what I mean? Like every every session. It's going to be the same. It's right. not going to divulge so, every time. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have, you know, my coworker do the body fat on the same client. Yeah, yeah. But I usually do a three site. It seems to be the quickest. So uh, for women, that's tricep, that's quad, and then that's above the SI. Okay. And so it's in millimeters. We just add it up and then look at a chart and it tells you what the body fat percentage is. Uh, we also do waist circumference, hips, hip circumference, and then sometimes I'll do like an arm measurement. But that's kind of what we go by. Our uh, measure. We do a lot here. Do you? We always got the biggest biceps wins. <laughs> so Who's ahead so far? Yeah, Matt's winning. Matt's winning. Yeah, Nate's trying to catch him, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Like, yeah, arm assessment. How big are my arms? It's important. It's important for guys. I, I agree. <laughs> I do it at least twice a week. You know? We're actually doing it right now during this podcast. Yeah. Just kidding. No, man. That's uh, I, I love the objective assessment part. I think it makes a uh, makes a lot of sense. So, personal training for 10 years, I'm very curious, what would you say, this would be a very general question, but I think you'll have some ideas on it, like, what are some of the biggest, i got two questions, I'm going to okay. one at a time because I tend to get ahead of myself, what are some of the biggest obstacles people have, in your opinion, to 
increasing muscle mass, changing body composition. Still love that word. Uh, yeah, what are those some of the biggest obstacles that you feel like that you encounter when you're, hey, I want, I'm coming in, or maybe you've been training for a year and mm-hmm. they're trying to kind of take that next step, or maybe they're trying to get started. Like, you know, what do you think some of the biggest obstacles are? I think one of the, I don't know, it's, it just varies from, you know, depending yeah. on the person, but sure. some of the Top biggest five, ones. Whatever. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one would have to be people pushing themselves, you know, kind mm-hmm. of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I think that's one thing, you know, because, you know, to put on that muscle mass, we got to increase the volume. And so, so they don't want to be uncomfortable. They get to that point of discomfort and they stop. Right. Or maybe they have a stigma with, you know, like talking about bulking, like with heavy weights, like, oh, you know, I, I don't lift over that much weight or, you know, something yeah. along those lines. And that could be holding them back. It, it may not be. Yeah. Because, you know, I guess the research shows that as long as volume is equated, you can get the, you know, the muscle mass, the hypertrophy. Yeah. That as long you as you get into fatigue, maybe Nate can talk about that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but it's obviously going to take a very long time. If you're holding <laughs> eight pound dumbbells. And you're doing deadlifts, you have to do them in the hundreds before you get fatigued. So, you know, getting to that challenging weight sometimes is hard. All right. You know? And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's just not always comfortable. And uh, another one would have to be nutrition, kind of like we talked about. People, you know, either yo-yo dieting, you know, listening to misinformation, whether it's on social media or, you know, maybe on maybe on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, always, always changing their diet. Game changers. How many people went vegan in the past oh, six geez. months? It's great they're eating more plants. You know? <laughs> more fruits and vegetables, I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can't, you just, I don't know, it doesn't have to be so extreme. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying from that one. That's, that's all, like, yeah, I, no, I walk away slowly, but. I get it, yeah. Uh, yeah, so nutrition, no doubt about that. You know, people either aren't willing to eat, uh, I think, enough protein or enough calories to put on the muscle mass to support their exercise and recovery. Uh, another one would be stress management kind of like you talked about Mm -hmm. you know whether that's getting enough sleep uh you know managing other factors in their life that are really you know wearing them down and another one i could add on top of that would be uh cardio so another you know stressor that's you know it, it can be good it can be a good tool for weight loss but you know if you're just adding in more cortisol more exercise more activity it just makes it that much harder to put on the muscle mass to get enough calories in I, don't know, I guess I would say those are some of the top ones that I see. Yeah, those are good. I mean, I, I forgot about that. I've had that conversation before. Now I'm like, we're more in the weightlifting world, so uh, lifting heavy weights isn't the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. But I would say the culture as a whole, obviously, we still have this. And it is changing, which is cool. Yep. This misnomer that I need to do an hour of cardio. Right. An hour of cardio a day is going to help me re- reach my weight loss body composition goals. And now we're kind of realizing that it can be, to be frank, it could be actually be harmful. Like what you said from a cortisol aspect. Like I'm just going to continue breaking your body, down. energy deprive mm-hmm. myself, and just do a bunch of cardio on an elliptical and just increase my heart rate. And just like, what is that really doing for you, kind of long term? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm going to butcher this, but um, you know, the adaptations that you get from it are pretty short term as far as cardiovascular. Like you really have to keep ramping up that activity. I think it's something like two, two to three weeks that you start to adapt into that cardiovascular yeah. activity, which is, you know, it's great to have, you know, it's going to improve your heart health. Uh, you're going to, you're going to get a lot of benefits from cardio itself, but. But you're not people, getting body composition benefits, right, which is what yeah, you're well, kind of going for. Right, exactly. Yeah. So when people start to, you know, just slap it on to try to lose body fat and lose weight, you know, it's, 
it's usually not in the appropriate manner. They they just throw it all in at once, and yeah, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna exercise six days a week, and I'm gonna lift three times, I'm gonna do cardio every day, and then yeah, they just they just get burnt out, get burnt out, get injured. Yeah, the two. that's everybody. We've been talking about this a lot uh, here lately. Um, just the idea of how much you actually need to work out to get the benefits that you want. It's very little. Uh, right, it's very little, <laughs> yeah. but also the intensity, which I like, needs to be really, really high, mm-hmm. right? And that can mean multiple things, right? But like, um, you know, where it's heavier weights or a little bit more volume or, <clears throat> you know, high-intensity interval training, which is, you know, a buzzword right now. That reminds me of a story, like, it's interesting that you say that. A lot of people are really uncomfortable being uncomfortable mm-hmm. in general, right? And so my, my son... Uh, I know the kind of birth project I'm doing. So he was doing son, it with you, wasn't he? He, was doing, he does some with me, right? And he likes to run a mile. He has his goal uh, to run a six-minute mile. Wow. You know, seven years old, which is going to be tough for him, but he's trying for it. And he'll uh, he'll run a mile, because I run a mile at the beginning and run a mile at the end. And he'll run a mile with us. And uh, we'll pace him sometimes to see if he can mm-hmm. beat his goal. And if he, he pushes himself so hard... Oh, well, I'm probably going to get flack for this. But he chooses. I don't push him. Like, I'm, I'm chasing him. And by the end of it, he is, he's like crying. He's pushed himself Dang, so hard. He cannot take, you know what I mean? It's so overwhelming to him. And then he's very proud of himself at the end because usually he does a little bit better. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, it sucks being that uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot to take in. Like, your body is saying stop and you kind of have to keep going. But that's where the magic is. Like, that's where the gains come. That's... Right. That little bit is like perfect, right? Like you kind of got to do whatever's uncomfortable. If you're really comfortable doing, you know, 20 minutes of cardio every day, you probably should be doing something different. Or if you're really comfortable just doing sets of two to five strength building, you probably should do something different. When it comes to overall health, this is in the realm of body composition and you just being like a really, you know, functional, healthy human long term. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, It's kind of the lens we're putting this through. So I guess the opposite too is... uh you know, taking a deload week, you know, just kind of, you know, it doesn't, you know, you know, a proper athlete, they'll, you know, they're running percentages, you know, mm-hmm. you know, cutting back volume. But I mean, for most people, you know, you can just take a week off. Probably super hard. <laughs> How hard is that to oh, convince somebody hey. to be like, hey, you're coming in this week, but we're just going to take it easy this week. They're like, no. Like, right. So I have to like, get creative when I do things like, so typically I'll try to deload people on a fourth week yeah. or maybe even sometimes uh, five. Just It just depends on the person. Some people can just handle a ridiculous amount of volume and work. Specifically, I think women can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're way stronger than mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Oh, way stronger than me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you know, I'll I'll throw in some variable resistance, so like band work. Mm-hmm. Uh, still give them a good workout, you know, but just decrease the load. So maybe not push them so hard on the strength training side of things. It gives their right. And they can time still get that hair. mental like because yeah. I want to feel like I got a good workout. I want to sweat. I want to mentally, you know, feel like I worked hard. And you still can get that without putting your body through. Right. Because I've took somebody through a you know work. thirty minute dynamic warm up thing. They're pretty pissed. <laughs> like, what's the workout starter? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think that's I mean, also good on the inverse. But. Yeah, and you can crush people in creative ways. Like sometimes on deloads, I'll do, uh, and you'll probably know this from jujitsu, but I'll do like a bunch of crawling work yeah. or whatever. And that mm-hmm. stuff will just, it'll kill me. Tough. You know, yeah. or I'll just do a bunch of like isometric holds, right? Like I'll just hold the top position of a pull-up where my chin is over the bar and hold that for like, I'll try to accumulate two minutes in one sitting, which takes me five or six sets. Yeah, that and tricks like, are just brutal. Yeah, man. right? And mm. they don't beat up your body as much. You go pretty light, but like it's, you know, you talk about painful. I'm about to cry after I hold a wall sit for two minutes, right? Or like yeah. do a mm-hmm. slow 50%, you 
you know, tempo back squat, back up and down, six seconds down, three second hold, six seconds up. It's like, it's terrible, right? Yep. But uh, even the blood flow, blood, blood flow restriction machine you'll have, you know, yeah. that's a that's a pretty awesome yeah, tool. Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you done with it? No, I mean, I did it for a while. It's yeah. I mean, talk about talk about uncomfortable. That's mm-hmm. super uncomfortable. But as a for us, for um, we'll call it client management tool, or just be able to add some bang for your buck, it's been a game changer yeah. for us, which is. Which is really really cool. You know, you need more tools than tool belt. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So when do you when do you graduate? When's like? So I'm applying for internships now. Okay. Uh, have a few interviews coming up, okay. and I'll know if I got the internship April six, but I finished my courses in June. Okay, so soon. Yeah, soon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how do you plan on like integrating that? Is that something like you're just gonna integrate it, or you're not really sure yet as far as like you know, I enjoy conversation, or is it an add-on? You know what I mean? I'm always curious how. Yeah, I, you know, I enjoy personal training. I want to keep doing that, mm-hmm. but you know, if I could, you know, split time and do a nutritional consultation along with the personal training, or maybe build that into the services. I think that would be pretty beneficial. Yeah, um, I would completely agree. Yeah, maybe build some programs, you know, some systems similar to you know how we how we do the training or yeah. know, physical therapy and you know kind of integrate those. I want to I want to help a lot of people. It's tough when you're in a one on one setting, mm-hmm. you know, because you're face to face with them. It's, it's, you know, that, at that moment, there's so, only so many one-on-one, face-to-face meetings. Exactly. Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I would like to help a lot of people. You know, I want to help a lot of people reach their goals. It's not so much about making money for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's my passion. It's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. So. Oh man, there's a lot of ways to do that. I, I've, I've been trying. I'm so interested in the business side of things nowadays. It's hard for me not to go down those rabbit holes. But a really cool thing a lot of people are doing, we'll call it for scalability, or in in your words or what I think might be your words, is how to impact more people, mm-hmm. right, without yeah. doing one-on-one stuff, is like creating online courses, obviously, yep. is a very, very big one, or creating these, like, you know, groups, or Facebook groups, or membership groups, where people can get a lot of information in one place, and right. kind of, like, affect a lot of people. Answer the general questions, help a lot of people. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, like you said, everybody, if everybody just followed, you know, the My Plate stuff, they would probably reach most of their goals, right. just doing something simple as that, yep. so. But it's just... The other thing is, so you know, it's just not sexy. The information yeah. is not sexy. And that's a lot of things with nutrition and fitness. You know, people want something new, exciting, and, you know, something that's going to give them a quick fix. And yeah. So there's, it's just not there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Going vegan, it may help, but it's not a quick fix or secret to no, yeah. all of your body constitution. Especially when you haven't mastered the other aspects of uh, nutrition. Yeah. Just yeah. Going for the. Going for that's not very decided. Going for the gun. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But eating more fruits and vegetables sounds like a really good idea. Can't beat it, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. If people want to reach out or find out more about you, where could they go? How could they find you? Social media. We just talked about taking social media breaks, but it's a social media or you know, kind of where you're at. What's yeah, uh, I'm not too big on social media, but I do have Instagram. Uh, Instagram is bfowl underscore 90 so b-f-o-w-l underscore 90 and uh if you want to send me an email it's fowlerfit4 at gmail.com and, uh, yeah be glad to ask answer any questions or you know, anything along those lines cool man thanks fun conversation i appreciate you coming out all right thanks you all right everybody thank you so much for joining us on the healthy charleston podcast We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram, search Healthy Charleston, 
one word, like, follow, comment on today's episode. If you have any questions, comments, if you have possible guests that you want us to bring on, if you have any topics you want us to discuss, reach out there, send us a direct message. We would love some feedback. Also, if you get any extra time, head over to iTunes, give us a rating. Again, put comments there. We love your feedback. Have a phenomenal